0: Did you hear this week about, I was reading this week about a, a really cool story. In case you missed it, I wanted to share it this morning. There were two high schoolers in Florida, and they, it was senior skip day. So what do you do in Florida and senior skip day? You head to the beach. These were both athletes in their school. As I understand it, they saw a little island out there. They said, let's swim for it. So they took off from the beach. He's a guy and a girl. His name was Tyler Smith. And she was Heather Brown, and they've been friends since little kids, and so they took off for this island. But in swimming out to this, wherever they were going, they got caught in the current and were swept out to sea. So you have two 17-year-olds who found themselves two miles out in the ocean, could not get back to shore. The current was stronger than their ability to swim. They'd been out there about two hours. His legs began to cramp, and they started to realize that they were in Grave danger. It was at this point, fortunately they stuck together, but they, the waves were pretty rough. They had no idea what to do. At this point, Tyler began to cry out to God. and His prayer was something like, God, please send something. Please send someone or some miracle to come save us because I want to see my family again. He was not expecting, No one, neither of them ever thought they'd be in danger. They just, high schoolers out swimming. And all of a sudden, they're looking at a life and death situation. Story continues that within minutes, a big white yacht appeared. They said out of nowhere, this yacht showed up. They began screaming. She said she found a stick floating in the ocean, began to wave the stick. And the captain of the ship says that, over the wind, the rough waves, and the sound of the motor, he heard this screaming. They stopped, they turned, they picked up these two high schoolers. They got them warmed up in their yacht, called the Coast Guard, and brought them back to safety, back on shore. And the name of the boat, wait for it, the name of the boat was, Amen. <laughs> Isn't that great? And these high schoolers, you know, they're at a Christian high school. But not all Christians, not all kids in Christian high schools really are walking in relationship with God. But these kids said, there is no doubt now in my mind that God exists and that he hears our prayers. And I thought of the scripture of Psalm 69. David, in maybe a parallel situation, writes, but I keep praying to you, O God, Lord, hoping this time you'll show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me up from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. David may not have been on the ocean, but he felt like he was sinking. He felt like he needed God or he would die. And I thought, how many of us may feel like that this morning? How many of us at times go, God, I'm sinking. God, I need you. And I, I'm praying and I'm not seeing that answer right away. I think what Ray spoke this morning was good. We, we have words over us. We have Things that we're believing on, but they're not happening according to our time schedule. And what I felt the Lord say just in these introductory remarks is, don't give up. Keep swimming. Can you imagine the tragedy if he would have said, there's no hope, and gone down, and two minutes later, the boat shows up. So the Lord just wants to speak to us this morning and say, hold on. Don't give up. Help is on the way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray as we get started. Jesus, we love you. God, I'm just so aware of our great need for you and your great faithfulness to us. This morning, as we come to you, as we come to the word of God, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into our midst, into this church. God, we say we need you in our lives. Come be with us today in Jesus' name, amen. I'm in the second part of a two-part series that I've entitled Parting Gifts. Jesus had died, he'd been crucified, he rose from the dead, and then he hung around for a while. He'd already accomplished the great task of our dying for our sins, conquering death, but then he hung around for 40 days. We see in the scriptures the number 40 seems to indicate spiritual significance, That kind of saying, hey, pay attention here. This is important. And so what happened in these 40 days? Well, Jesus taught us things. He locked in some of his previous teachings. And he also gave gifts to his disciples to help them establish his church here in this world. So we see that when he appeared to the people, he wanted to show them he really was alive. So first he appeared to Mary. Then he appeared multiple times to the disciples. He was in a little different state. He came through locked doors. He, he'd show up and minister to them. We say have have the road, the walk to Emmaus, where he's walking with disciples, kind of shows up walking beside them, appeared to 500 or more at one time. He was revealing the fact that he had died and that he truly had risen from the dead. And during this time, you have Peter, who had his last encounter previous to crucifixion was denial. He denied his Lord, his best friend, his master. In the real when it really came down to the crunch, Peter failed. He didn't pass the test. And then Jesus shows up on the seashore. He'd appeared to him in groups, but this time was a little more intimate. He appears on the seashore and he said, they catch this whole boatload of fish. They come to shore. And then there's Jesus and Peter. And he... We think of God sometimes as that righteous judge with the big hammer. You know, that's what the world says. That you got that guy just ready to smack you down when you mess up. Well, Jesus wanted to show that that is not the right image of God. Is God the judge? Yes. But in the moment of need... God's default, the default of Jesus was grace. Just say grace with me. Grace. If you remember one thing from last week, remember grace. In his great time of need, I can just see Peter wondering, and Jesus says, hey, let's have some breakfast. Come, have a bite to eat. That must have ministered to Peter. He received grace in his time of need. But it's interesting as you read on a little bit there, then Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says, feed my sheep. He's telling him you're going to be a part of extending the kingdom, caring for those who follow me. And then as I was reading, there was a part that I just had not remembered reading before. At the end of this section of scripture, he turns to Peter and he says, follow me. I thought, isn't that amazing? Probably the first words Peter ever heard from Jesus was, follow me. He left his boats and he followed Jesus. But here at the very end, Jesus once again turns back to Peter, who's really messed up and says, I know all that. Follow me. It's kind of like saying, hey, you're still on the team. You're still a part. And I can see Peter thinking, but after what I've done? And Jesus is like, yeah, after what you've done, follow me. And I ask the question, what was Jesus thinking? I mean, probably picture, you're, you're forming your team, you're getting ready to leave, and this is the team, this is the A team, that you're going to leave the kingdom in the hands of these people. And Jesus calls Peter to really to have a leadership role in that extension of the kingdom and this is the guy who just choked at the key moment. And I I would ask the question, why would Jesus put such great trust in Peter? I said again, why would Jesus put such great trust in Peter? And I think the answer is he didn't. Jesus did not trust in Peter alone. We read in John 2, earlier on, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because they knew all people. Because he knew all people. And needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So Jesus did not entrust himself to men because he knows that in our hearts there's a lot of things that are not good. Because Jesus, all things were created by Jesus. Mankind was created through Jesus. He's well aware of what's in man's heart. He knows what's in your heart. I've sometimes thought if we had to take our worst sins and wear them over our heads some Sunday morning, just write them on a plate and we're going to carry them around for all to see, I think we'd have a pretty empty church, don't you? I think we'd say, I think I'm busy this Sunday. I think we'd find a way because we know we know ourselves. We know the thoughts that don't please God. We know the actions and the selfishness and the things we do in our own flesh that are not of God. Jesus would obviously have known, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So Jesus knew that men, hear me, without God, You on your own, apart from God, apart from his spirit, you on your own are not good. You on your own were like sheep that easily go astray. On your own, apart from God, really is no good thing. So Jesus knew that, but now Jesus was convinced that Peter knew that too. And Peter's mess up strangely qualified him to lead the church. I want to say that again. I'm not encouraging you to mess up, right? But we've all messed up. And before this time, Peter was saying, you know, if everybody else denies you, not me. Oh, not me. I mean, I will follow you to the death. I, you know, I, I can do this. I will stand by you. I'm that guy. They may all fall away, but not me. Counting in his own strength to be strong in the moment of testing. And then he failed. And I believe that part of what God needs in those who follow him is humility. Humility that says, God, I need you. If you ever get to the place in your life or in ministry where you think, I think I've got this. I heard of a man that was a nationally known man. TV serving Jesus and things were going so well. He made this comment. He said, you know, we're doing so great. We don't even need God anymore. He was making a joke. But out of the depths of your heart, your mouth speaks. And he would got this systematized and things were really going great. And somewhere in his heart, he thought, I think we can do this really without the Lord. And he speaks of that in later on saying that was the beginning of the end. And one of the things that qualified Peter is, I believe, he realized that outside of God's help, without the Spirit of God living and working and moving through him, Peter now realized that he could not fulfill the purposes of God. And that's a good place to be. Peter was now restored by the grace and forgiveness of Christ. He was wiser because he realized the weakness of his own strength. He knew he'd fall on his own. Peter was convinced at this point that he needed the Spirit of God. See, not long before the crucifixion, Jesus had been talking to his disciples. He asked them, who do people say that I am? And they answered him. But the key question was, and who do you say that I am? Who do you see me as? Christ was asking them. And Peter, always first, always energetic, blurted out, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we read Jesus' answer. He says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. It's interesting, he uses his full name. It's kind of like when a mother's really mad at you, right? <laughs> Kent Raymond Norell, you better get it. You know, you know you're in trouble when you hear the middle name. Well, somewhere this was excitement, this wasn't trouble, but he says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. I love keys. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter got that one right. He's going, yeah, I nailed it. Love it when you get those answers right. And Peter had this revealed to him by the Spirit of God. And Jesus says, you're going to be key in the kingdom. You're going to be one of the leaders that that established my church here in this world. Peter would lead the charge, but then he messed up royally. And I wonder if Peter thought, I think Jesus is going to have to find somebody else, not after this. I mean, after my mess up. Do you think Jesus knew that Peter would mess up, who knows all things? He knew. In fact, even when Peter said, I will not deny you, Jesus says, yeah, yeah, you will. Tonight, in fact. Do you think Jesus repented of saying, I'm going to use Peter as a key leader in my church? No. I don't think he did. Even knowing that Peter was frail and would mess up. And all of this really prepares us for the foundation for Jesus' most important parting gift. Acts 1.8 You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I wonder if the pre-crucifixion Peter would have said, I'm already doing okay, I got it, you know? I mean, maybe they need the power, but I'm I'm there. The post-crucifixion Peter would be saying, bring it on. I need everything that God has so I can walk in victory. And my heart for this church, my heart for you, is that you would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. My heart for you and for me is that we would experience the abundant life as the Bible describes it and walk in victory and in power. And in order to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Not just one day, one event. We need daily the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to look and say, God, I need you. If you ever wonder what I'm doing during worship or during announcements as I'm getting ready to preach, I'm praying, God, I need you. I cannot preach and have any impact on people's lives without the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The day I think, yeah, I got this, got a good message here. This one's really gonna zing, is the day I'm gonna fall flat. I have a friend who was Preacher of the Year at Fuller Seminary. Fuller's a preaching school, and he was Preacher of the Year, so that's pretty good, right? The guy was gifted. He was godly. And he had this thing that he'd go to preach, and multiple times he'd be preaching, in the middle of his sermon he'd just fall flat, wipe out, just black out. Blackout. That's kind of disturbing in the middle of a sermon, you know, when the preacher just crumples behind the pulpit. It kind of... Loses whatever points you might be making. And he went to the doctors, and they found nothing wrong with him. But this happened: he'd get up there and preacher of the year, be crumpled up, and calling nine one one. And and I, I talked to him later. He said, "You know, this was just God's way. God gave me a gift to preach, but He just let me know I can." Just, he says, "I felt like I was just going ding," <laughs> and he just. So he said, but I tell you what, it makes you dependent upon God. You're getting up there in the pulpit. and You're going, oh, God, help me. Help me not to wipe out behind the pulpit. That's good. It's a faithfulness of God saying, look, you're gifted, but all of that is from me. And that can be taken away in a moment. And any impact through your life is because of the Holy Spirit working through you. I find as a pastor, I love the, the emails of encouragement. And I find that oftentimes the things that God do, does through my messages are sermons I don't really preach. I say something, and that keys a thought in somebody's mind, and the Spirit moves in this direction. And they say, oh, I love that point, point," and I'm thinking, I don't think I made that point. <laughs> but that's okay. What really matters is the Spirit working in people's hearts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is the greatest parting gift that Christ had because he looked around at all of us and went, these hearts are very human and they're not going to make it unless I fill them with my Holy Spirit. And that is where Christ placed his trust. Not in Peter and his strength and his determination, But he knew that he would fill Peter with his Holy Spirit. And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, that's a very good thing. That's a victorious Peter. That's a Peter who can change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ trusted in the Spirit that he would send to his followers. And the Holy Spirit, when it comes, it does so many things. One, it brings conviction of sin. I love that. The Holy Spirit comes, and when we encounter the risen Lord, our sins start to feel we're less and less comfortable with our sins because the Holy Spirit brings conviction, not condemnation. Condemnation beats you up, but conviction draws you to repentance. And the good thing about that is the Holy Spirit is alive and well today. Amen? Amen. And he brings conviction. And let's let him be the one that convicts. We don't need to be junior Holy Spirits, right? It's not your job to help bring conviction of sin. There may be times to talk to a brother, I get that. But the the point really is the Holy Spirit can do that. Praise the Lord that that's not my job or yours. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. He brings us comfort in times. How many of us need comfort? You're walking through a situation and your heart is in turmoil and we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's our helper. He walks alongside of us. You know, I just have become more and more aware of how much loneliness there is in life. And that even those of us with marriages and children and people around, we can still walk through a life feeling very alone. But the Holy Spirit comes to walk with us, to be with us, to bring comfort, to leave us not alone. He says, I won't leave you alone, I'll send the Comforter. And he's the one that gives us gifts. So, here's the take home. that One of the keys to walking victoriously in this life is to face our own sinfulness our own limitations. To not believe that you're good enough on your own and you can make it on your own and you don't need the Lord. Face your own limitation. And then cry out to God every day for more and more of his spirit. Say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. It's not to say that we go around going, I'm just a worm. I'm no good. Oh, no, not me. That's not what the Lord is asking of us. It's a simple, sober realization that we need the Lord. Let's just say that together. We need the Lord. And as we humble ourselves and we pray that, And we ask the Spirit to fill us. He is more and more, He is more than faithful to give us everything we need to serve Him, to have victory over sin, to heal relationships. We need the power of God to walk in that victorious life. I want the worship team to come on up. So I was preparing this message, just felt the Lord say, Keep the message short. And let's end with a time of ministry. I'd like to do that this morning. Because we need the Lord. We don't always need more teaching. We always need the Lord. Amen. And what I want to ask this morning is, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if you're unsure if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to pray for you. You know, the Bible says that what we're called to do is ask. And I promise I won't embarrass you. But it's really very simple. We don't need things to be complicated. Jesus says to ask. And that's what we're going to do this morning. In Luke 11, Jesus says, I tell you, ask. Say, ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. There it is. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if your son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, and hear these words, you, who are evil... He doesn't pull any punches, does he? He sees our hearts. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We We serve a good God. You're a good, good Father. And he has the fullness of the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. And so this morning we want to ask lord to come fill us anew so what i want to start off by saying is that if you've not received the baptism of the holy spirit the fullness of the holy spirit and you're or you're unsure and you'd like his filling this morning just please stand where you are right now anybody who wants that please stand we're just going to pray for you just take a moment anybody in that place where you want to stand up and just have us Pray and believe that God has his fullness for you today. It's going to take a moment. Praise the Lord. Take strength to stand. Hallelujah. Who else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to wait a minute. Just don't want to miss anybody today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm. Praise the Lord. Probably a few more. Feel that tug. You aren't sure. Can't go too wrong asking for more of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Jesus. let's just do this those that are around them we believe in the body of Christ ministers just somebody's put a hand on their shoulder lightly on their shoulder or take their hand if you got to move out of your seat feel free don't leave anybody alone that are asking for the fullness of the Spirit, just repeat after me as we pray. because the Lord calls us to ask, just say, thank you, Father, for sending your Holy Spirit. Just repeat after me. Thank you, Father, for sending your Holy Spirit. I need you in my life. I can't do this on my own. So I ask that you baptize me in the Holy Spirit right now name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are true to your word. I'll pray over you. Thank you, Jesus, you're true to your word, that you honor those who stand and whose hearts are to seek more of you. We wait upon you this morning. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Fill each and every one that is taking that step to say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Lord may release us in the gift of tongues. The Lord may put you some language you're not aware of in your heart. Just feel free to speak that out. It could come later, but we're believing the Lord just to give us that gift, heavenly prayer language. Thank you, Jesus. Just feel free to pray out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us this morning. I want to invite the rest of the church. Everybody all stand, please. Let's all stand. I'd like to invite all the church to put their, open their hands before them. If you want more of the Lord, just open your hands. This is a sign of receiving. Let's pray for the Lord for a fresh touch of his Holy Spirit. Don't be somebody that says, yeah, 30 years ago, I, that's great, that's wonderful. We need those landmarks, but let's be those who say, Lord, fill me anew with your Holy Spirit today. Fill us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, not just here at City Hill, but Lord, you are welcome in need. Father, bring Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, bring conviction of sin. Father, bring wholeness as we experience in communion this morning, where we receive that wholeness, that washing of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we are weak without you, but we are strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, Father, we ask for that strength and that power to stand against sin to understand your word, to speak with boldness and with kindness the truth of the gospel of this world. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just worship with a song or two and then I'll close in a couple of minutes.